Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 40 of the Collective Wisdom Podcast. I have an amazing guest to bring season four to a close. Danny is a teacher, coach, mentor. It's fair to say to millions of people, he runs a really successful podcast called Better Leaders, Better Schools, which although it's aimed at educators and school leaders, is actually relevant for anyone who wants to seek some professional development. He asks better questions. He has conversations with really inspired people and his love of learning comes through all the time. Danny believes that the number one thing that makes a difference to students is the quality of the teaching and the quality of leadership in schools. And as a school leader himself, he could never quite understand why schools were set to compete against one another when actually if they collaborated and supported and encouraged one another, school leaders learn to get better together. So he set up a series of masterminds and has just written his latest book, which is called Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. And it's all about the, the wisdom and experience that he's learned in the, in the process of setting up these masterminds, how much that encouragement and support has really built up a network of school leaders who are becoming better leaders every day. He lives and breathes his own philosophy, which is that everybody wins when a leader gets better. So with that, I'll hand you over to Danny and... I'm so thrilled that he's here to share some of his immense wisdom with us today. So I'm so excited to share with you some of the passion and energy that my guest today brings to everything he does. Daniel Bauer, or Danny Sunshine Bauer, as he sometimes refers to himself, <laughs> has mentored thousands of school leaders through his Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, which he launched back in 2015, and which now has over 1.5 million downloads, as well as a book of the same name. But he also leads powerful coaching experiences via a series of masterminds he's created, which are now the focus of scaling the impact of the work he does with school leaders around the world. Building on his experience as first a teacher and then a leader within the US public school system, Danny saw firsthand just how tough and isolated it can feel to be at the sharp end of school leadership. And it's since been his mission to address that need. The response speaks for itself. And today, Danny finds himself at the helm of a thriving community of leaders and educators who are striving to make education less about test results and more about igniting passion and enthusiasm for learning in their students. I first met Danny when he signed up for the Alt MBA and right from day one, he was a superstar student whose generosity, creativity and sunny outlook had such a positive and calming impact on his fellow cohort. He has a natural way of bringing his presence to the people around him that shows just how much he really cares about what you have to say. It was no surprise, therefore, that he was invited to join the coaching team, where he continues to inspire and support ravens and ruckus makers in the Akimbo community. He's here today to talk to us about the work he does and his latest book, which he's just launching, Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader, which is a book that reimagines what professional development for school administrators looks like in order to meet the needs of all school leaders who currently feel isolated and overwhelmed. So Danny, a warm welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast and thanks so much for being here. Wow, what a what a generous introduction. You know, I'm I'm here uh sipping a a Yorkshire tea, so I'm oh, enjoying good that. Good stuff, good stuff. And what an opportunity to talk with my all-time BA coach from the Jolts, right? All-time BA 28, 
Absolutely. Yeah, this is such an honor. Thank you, Kat. No, it's come full circle. And I just love these, you know, when you meet people for the first time in a different context, and then you get digging into their work, and it's been so inspiring to see you just grow and thrive and really build this thing out, you know, from mm. what was already a, a really accomplished, you know, you, you came in with a mission, you knew what you, you were there to do. And it's just carried on getting bigger and better ever since. Thank you. And I know that, yeah, the Yorkshire tea is a reference to the fact that you actually ended up living in Scotland. Is that right? So you're based now in, in New York, but you, uh, you had a little stint in Scotland, which I think was, was, was a good time for you. Oh, it was a lovely time. Yeah. So back, back stateside, uh, you know, my wife is super smart. So she's an epidemiologist and is working oh, in wow. the public health department. Yeah. Exciting times, right. To be an epidemiologist yeah. for sure. But partly of what, what I do, you know, in terms of podcasting or creating these coaching experiences, it's all been virtual, you know, since 2015. Mm. So I just follow her around, right. Like those different job opportunities she has, which has afforded me a very rich life in experience, right? So we we lived in uh, Belgium, we lived in the Netherlands, and then we linked up, you know, in Scotland. And that's when I took the Alt MBA before moving back home to New York. So uh, wow. what a what a treasure of experience, you know, seeing the world, how people do things, and realizing huh, maybe there's not just one way to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, and that is exactly what I think I, I love about your perspective is that you, especially as an educator, you know, you're, you're moving so far away from there being the answer is the answer on the test and there is only mm. one answer. It's really mm -hmm. about listening, bringing that global perspective that you have from living all over the world. I, I think you mentioned that your wife was from Zimbabwe when I was listening right. to yeah. one of the podcasts podcast so you you bring that kind of multicultural embracing diversity as being really a, a hotbed for innovation and creativity and and all of that stuff mm, yeah and you know one of the edges i've chosen when i serve school leaders is that uh i don't recommend usually books and education and that kind of thing and if people work with me one-on-one -on -one or in the mastermind experience we don't read any books from education our industry which may seem a bit bonkers or bizarre but the the thing is is you know the type of leader i attract they're already pretty high achieving and they're reading that stuff anyway so what wow. do i need to bring them you know ideas that they're already exposed to so it I, it brings me a lot of joy knowing that uh, I expose people to these ideas and perspectives that it sometimes doesn't even feel comfortable because it pushes people to grow. And they say, I never would have chosen that book for myself, but you see the lights go on, right? Yeah. And now they have another tool in terms of being more effective running a school, but we're learning from outside the industry. So that's, that's pretty fun for me. Yeah, I think that's what you do best. You, you kind of bring these concepts, which are, as you say, leadership concepts from from all over the different perspectives and how can they be applied within the education system. So tell me, if you will, just a little bit more about how you came to be a teacher in the first place, because you're a natural born <laughs> teacher, but I love oh, the story you. about that influence. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to go way back when it's probably the 1990s, the Bulls, right? They're a global phenomenon in terms of basketball, Jordan, and the team are winning championships and championships. And uh, my best friend, Johnny Brogren, uh, that's somebody I would play basketball against like every single day, even in the snow in Chicago, honestly, wow. we'd go out there and play. Uh, so they live kitty corner to us in, uh, in a suburb of Chicago. And Johnny's family, they, they honestly had it all. You know, they had a, a second summer home in uh, Galena, which has you know, it's rich in history. One of our former presidents, Ulysses S. Grant, which wasn't even his real name. There's a story there, but long story short, like they had that really cool home. It was a refurbished old school house. So it had all this great, like, just, I don't know, neat little knickknacks and things that uh, made it come to life. But jo Johnny's there and his family, 
They have that second home. They had a car phone before that was a thing. Johnny always had the new Air Jordans, which was a big deal to a kid growing up in Chicago, right? And and to be honest, my family struggled a bit. I never had Jordans until my first year teaching. And when I cashed that first check, that was the first thing I bought for myself was a pair of brand new you know, Air Jordans because I never had them growing up. Uh, but anyways, so the Brogan family was doing super good. And what I saw as a young man's perspective, right, 11, 12-year-old, uh, they had it all. And Johnny's dad was a uh, basically traded stocks and bonds and that kind of stuff at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. So I see him and he becomes the goalpost for success in his family because they have abundance and they have everything. But he told me with all this stuff, it really just brings more stress having to manage, you know, two homes or get insurance, you know, like whatever. It's just a lot of things to take care of. And I get that now that I'm a first time homeowner. Right. And like I, there's a pool and like, oh, my gosh, you have to do so much to keep the pool clean and operating. <laughs> oh, OK, so that's a whole nother story. Um, but the point is, so the Brogan family was my my image of success. And I asked Johnny's dad, Mr. Brogan, because my father wasn't around. You know, my my parents, they separated and divorced uh, in fourth grade. So I, I very much looked up to Mr. Brogan as a father figure. And I just said, hey, I'm, I'm going into high school and then college will be coming quickly after that. What are some things I should think of in terms of a profession to be a success, right? Mm. And here's the guy again, he has it all, right? And he says, Danny, I wish I could do it over again. And if I could, I would have been a teacher because my life would have mattered. And I did not see that coming, Kat, right? Mm -hmm. Like I thought lawyer, doctor, something in finance like him, right? But he's like, no, I would have been a teacher. I would have had an impact in my community. My life would have meant something. And that changed everything for me. So I decided right there, I'd become a teacher and uh, yeah, like that's that's what I did. And I never changed course like that was it. Wow. Wow. And I think what I love about that story is how, yeah, you, you admit that it was not the thing that you expected him to say. No and, way. And yet it's actually ended up being something that you do have a, a natural talent for it. You know, you have a mm. natural talent for bringing people in. You've got this empathy that, you know, you have a calming effect on people, but you help people really feel seen and heard, which is, I think, mm. so relevant to, to teaching. So I wonder whether it was a truth that kind of landed with you in a way that felt like the truth because, because it sort of spoke to those innate talents inside you. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, it's always felt very natural. You know, it doesn't mean that it was easy. You have to do hard right. work and that kind of thing. But it, it does seem that I've been operating on my gifts uh, for a very long time. And in that, I am very, very blessed and fortunate, right? Because everybody doesn't have that, especially right out of college, right? Right out of yeah. uni. And, and, and it's okay. Uh, my story doesn't have to be somebody else's, you know, and you, you learn from mistakes and, okay, I want to pivot and that kind of thing. And I've evolved, right? Uh, classroom teacher to school leader and now running my own business. But the interesting thing, Kat, is that I think teaching actually helped me run a more effective business because there wow. are all those skills, you know, with relationship building and empathy and that kind of stuff. Like think about it this way. When you're a classroom teacher <laughs> and you have, let's say 150 kids on average, right. That you're going to see each day. You have to convince them that your topic is like really interesting and that they should pay attention and then take action, right. And do work. Yeah. That's not easy. Uh, and so being able to do that and persuade and to convince and connect with my students on a daily basis, I think has helped me be extremely effective in terms of running a business, putting a message out there that resonates with people and inspires them to take action as well. Absolutely. And I'm sure it's the secret behind how you've ended up with 1.5 million downloads. It's not just because the content is super useful but because you've brought all of that empathy and understanding. I remember you saying, you know, I was listening to one of your, there's a smaller soundbite podcast now that that um, is alongside the, the longer form. And it's just these little nuggets of like daily inspiration. Mm. And one of those <clears throat> this morning that I listened to was asking yourself the question, how can I make this easier? 
Yeah. And you told the story about how you you could you suddenly thought, well, I need to expand my reach. I need to get more downloads so that I can build in some maybe some advertising into this podcast and get some people really involved with it. What I'm going to do is just ask everyone who's listening to it and it's meaning something to them to share it with one other person and mm -hmm. how that was suddenly a solution to what what might otherwise be a difficult problem. Yeah, we, we tend to overcomplicate things, right? So that's why yeah. I love that question so much. What would what would I do if it were easy? I think I got that from Tim Ferriss, I want to say. But either either way, just a, a brilliant question to ask. Uh, I've learned that in many, many different respects and many different challenges. So for example, with the book that just got released, the, the content was solid, always has been, but the first draft was like really bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what all. Most, most drafts are like that. But honestly, the senior editor basically said, your, your organization sucks. Like, it's terrible. You need to do some work. And to be honest, Kat, like that really amplified the, the imposter syndrome in my head, yeah, you know, yeah. because when I wrote my first book, I hired somebody to put it together in a way that people experience books, right? So it looks and felt and read like a book. I also hired an editor and basically, basically she took all that content in that poor organization and put it together for me. I didn't do that. Right. This time the editor's saying, that's your job. And I'm thinking, no, that's your job. And, and, <laughs> and you know, you're the editor, number one, and have experience with this Two, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Like, I don't know how to do this. And so I was really, really scared. Like, do I have what it takes to organize a book in a coherent, you know, coherent way, uh, let alone in a remarkable way that people will really, really enjoy. So the lesson I learned was to write a better book. I stopped writing a book, right? And I started going out into nature and really dreaming and thinking about why the mastermind experience worked. And I figured if I could come up with a framework that organized why and communicated why the mastermind worked, then that would be a very logical way to organize that book. And so essentially, in, in wanting to you know, uh, connect with my audience, educators, I created what I call the ABCs of professional, powerful professional development. And I thought they would like that, right? Being classroom teachers or whatever. Yeah, ABCs. yeah. So... That became the framework, authenticity, belonging, and challenge, which leads to uh, life and leadership transformation. Um, but that was a big that was a big lesson, you know. And again, what would I do if it were easy? Is like, okay, just come up with the framework and that kind of thing. And then it was just plugging in all the parts into that framework, and it totally worked. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful story, and I think that's so helpful to anyone who's sitting there struggling with. Yeah, what is it that's missing? Often the clarity's in your head, but how you how you can communicate that with somebody else is by coming up with these simple little memory fixes, ways of yep. making it more memorable, ways of like like you say organizing it, helping to help other people to grasp those concepts is yeah. is just brilliant. Absolutely. So so talk me through. You you ended up you were an educator so teacher, you became a school leader. What was it that prompted you to start the podcast in the first place? Scratching my own itch, you know, like I've always been really curious and wanting to grow, you know, so I had questions that I needed answers to. And I wanted to talk to interesting people about those questions. The other thing, too, and it's, it's my lived experience, Kat, it might not be every school leaders, but, you know, leadership meetings didn't really exist within the districts where I served. Right. right. And, and when the powers that be would bring us together for quote unquote leadership meetings, it was really the bureaucracy, the checklist to increase student attendance, to increase um, student achievement, to decrease discipline issues on your campus. And, you know, with a, a, a bonus, like if you do these things, you get to keep your job. And if you don't, you'll get fired. Like, wow, <laughs> how uninspiring. Yeah. And, and I wanted to figure out how do I how do I create a, a, a vision that actually resonates with my community? Right. Transfers ownership to the staff and is lived out on a day to day basis. Or I don't know about you, but I hate 
difficult conversations. So mm. why aren't there trainings? That's leadership. Like every day you have to have those conversations. How do I do that? How do I navigate those? And how do I get out of my own way? Because I mess a lot, a lot of those up, you know, especially in the old days. Uh, and then, you know, race equity, these issues are very much top of mind for a mm. lot of people these days. And so I was just curious, how do we create more equitable, you know, experiences for all our students? Because sometimes school is designed just for uh, a single type of kid. And if you fit that mold, right, then you'll do quite well. But if you're outside of it, you know, whether that's in your control or not, you're not going to succeed. And then that bothered me. It keeps me up at night. So anyways, th those are the type of questions I wanted to have conversations around. Yeah, that is so inspiring to know that you, it, I mean, you were so ahead of the curve, 2015. There are now yeah. almost 2 million, maybe more than 2 million podcasts. But back in 2015, that was not the case at all. Yeah, And it was such a clever way of yeah, bringing people in. I mean, as you said, it was your lived experience. You were struggling with these things. Mm -hmm. But what, what I think you have found there's evidence for is that you were not alone. Mm. You know, no, this, this yeah. has been a common thing. And and that's so 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 the masterminds were a natural progression. Was that something that came out of the podcast? Somebody on the podcast that you interviewed said, oh, well, this will be a good way to scale it. Or how did right. they come about? Yeah, yeah. So I heard my mentor for the first time on a podcast and then I heard him on another podcast. He was showing up everywhere in my world right. back in the day. You know, I used to listen to many, many shows. And uh, long story short, he, he talked about the structure of a mastermind and the history behind it and the power that he experienced as a result, you know, the results that it, it created in his life. Uh, and so I ended up reaching out to this guy, his name's Aaron Walker, and uh, I joined his mastermind back in 2015. And back then really like, well, how do I grow my show and what else might be possible, right, mm -hmm. with it? And and honestly, there was a, a quote by Jim Rohn, this, this motivational speaker, that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So true. And I'll tell you, Kat, like, so true. And so, like, ruins your life if you think about it. You know what I mean? So if you're not, you <laughs> so know. You look around you, you're like, oh, there's me and the cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that. Or it might, you know, it might be some good friends that you've had uh, around forever. And, and not that they're bad people and that kind of thing. But here's, here's the deal. Back when I started the podcast, I had some dreams of like what could happen as a result of growing that show. Mm -hmm. And I remember just showing people in my inner circle back then, friends and family, the dream. And they were like, that's never going to work. No, nobody was really supportive. And that hurt, to be honest. Yeah. But if you know me, like I'll listen. I still do what I want to do, though. But I also realized with that Jim Rohn quote, well, maybe I should just get some people around me who's, who can help me improve the idea, but they're open to the possibility of it working, right? Which is different than just shutting it down right away. And so that is the catalyst for me joining the mastermind back then was just wanting to change, you know, who uh, had a speed dial into my mind, right? And, and could influence um, the steps forward. And it was the right choice to make, you know, in six months, the transformation personally and professionally uh, were remarkable. And that gave me the light bulb moment. Oh, who is doing this for school leaders? And I looked around and I'm like, oh, absolutely no one. And the, the more I think about it, Kat, like six years later, after starting Better Leaders, Better Schools, I finally had this realization when it comes, this is kind of specific to our industry. But, you know, if it has to do with social emotional learning, people know where to go. If it has to do with uh, what we call professional learning communities, educators know where to go. Assessment, they know where to go. But there's not necessarily, you know, a lot of places that are just for the school leader. You know, right. who is cat the human being, right? Yeah. The individual. And that's what I do. I see and hear those individual school leaders and uh, help them just be more effective, but across all domains of their life. So, yeah, it took me six years to figure that out, but I, I see, you know, why people resonate with it now. <laughs> but you were kind of figuring it out. You know, I love your bias towards action. You were figuring it out mm. by, by doing it, you know, so yes. that, that is the best way to figure things out, isn't it? Yeah, I learn mean, by doing, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So now what is the, the vision? So you, you, did you imagine when you 
set, signed up for that mastermind that you were going to end up writing your own book on masterminds? No, and I never would have. I never would have taken on this project. Uh, it's sort of a, it's a humble brag, but basically every big publisher in education wanted to do a book with me in 2019. Wow. What what made Corwin different is they they pitched me. So everybody reached out and said, hey, we want to do a book, but it was up to me to figure that out. And so I had a, a bunch of creative ideas going and proposals. But then Corin knocked on my door and they said, we want you to do a book specifically on how you serve school leaders. And that basically ended every other creative project. I'm like, huh, that seems really interesting. Yeah. And if I could do it in a way that is is of service to others, you know, and not like a sales letter in service to me, right? Uh, then I think this would be something that will help a lot of people and who knows what doors it would open. So that was, that was part of the struggle. Cause it is, there is a business side to it, you know, mm, and mm. I, and I, I'm like, okay, to something so close, so near and dear, you know, to my heart, how do I talk about that? You know, I, I, that was a struggle to figure it out. Um, but, you know, lots of drafts and lots of great feedback from my editor, uh, you know, and, and, and um, I think I think we landed somewhere special. I do know, and this might be a little lesson for your listener. The first draft, the first few drafts didn't work because I was trying to talk to two audiences. Right. So one audience was a school leader and how the ABCs of professional development can uh, level up their own experiences, you know, when they go to trainings, conferences, but also what they offer their staff, right? So that was one audience. The other audience was like entrepreneurial minded folks. If they wanted to start one, how do you start one? Like all the behind the scenes logistics and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And what I, you know, obviously you can't, you can't address both in a single book. And so I, I had to get rid of the one audience, which is, okay, no, this is for school leaders. It's not for people who want to start it and potentially, you know, turn into a business or whatever. And uh, it took me a minute to figure that out, but that certainly wasn't working. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that's helpful. Well, I think, I think that is such solid advice. You know, if you get really clear around who your audience is and almost pick one person within that segment yeah. to talk to, just think of the one person that you actually know really well, what do they need to hear from you? You can even approach them at that point and say, how does this resonate? Is this, mm. is this something you would pick up, you know? So then you know that you're on the right path as opposed to creating something, putting it out there and then hoping that it will find its own audience. Yeah. 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 So, so valid. So for you, I mean, you've mentioned the fact that you were struggling in a way to, to know how to, scale it but i heard you describing in in your podcast your own podcast how that's now it's starting to take on a life of its own you know you're not mm. running all of those masterminds anymore that's been a huge milestone uh and i'll tell you what i bet if i would have done this years ago uh and put more focus there like it would have grown maybe even quicker um but what i realized and probably a lot of founders and that kind of thing figure out is that they're the greatest opportunity and the greatest bottleneck within their mm, organization, yeah. right? Gosh, so yeah. <laughs> So when I get out of my own way and I, I develop the relationships and the capacity of, of my team, we can serve more school leaders. And, and I feel it's it's a really strange place to be because um, I'm very I'm very good facilitating those experiences. But I feel that my role and responsibility within the BLBS organization is changing. And it's, that's honestly a bit uncomfortable and a little scary because mm. I know even though I'm awesome, awesome at coaching and doing the mastermind, I don't know how much longer it will be me facilitating groups, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think what is being called out of me is how to spread the message at scale and then uh how to really pour into a, a small group of expert coaches that can deliver a powerful experience on our organization's behalf you know so that that just feels weird because i basically i'm gonna have to fire myself so i can 
do some other stuff. <laughs> to step into a role that is more really a leadership role. You know, you're leading those masterminds, but now you're yeah. you're leading, you're stepping into another zone, if you like. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's fear there, right? Like, you know, in the I run four groups. Let's say there's about 50-ish people in those four groups. Some of them I've worked for easily over three years, four years. There's mm -hmm. people in there that have been there since day one. Right. Wow. So we wow. have very strong relationships. And the, the biggest fear I have is uh, what if what if people leave, you know, but I think I'm, I'm even though I'm afraid of it, I'm pretty sure it's not the reality. And yes, they might grieve and miss my presence a little bit, but I'm just one very I'm a one piece of that puzzle. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the relationships they've 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 created with everybody else that's in the group is uh, a lot more meaningful than just just me, right? And that doesn't mean I can't stop by, right? And no. dazzle people or whatever. Um, but I just, I, I feel that my role is changing and just want to share that because, you know, yeah. it's like unpacking the fear and how you're growing and stretching. And it's a little bit of, you know, that's your ego speaking and saying, but I'm good at this and I want to, you know, I want to yeah. be needed here. I want to be part of this. I don't mm -hmm. really want to have to step away and, and do this other thing, even though that will increase the reach and and get the the message yeah. out which is clearly resonating right. that there is more need for professional development within the education sector you know it just it just mm -hmm. was missing and, mm. and people are crying out for it so you mentioned that you know that's been a challenge for you is is really opening up to that how do I scale this? I mean, that's the classic sort of e-myth um, concept of just because yeah. you're a good pie maker, if you stay making those pies, <laughs> it isn't going to grow. Your business just right, can't right. thrive, you know. Um, but when I asked you to come up with a story about a challenge, what, what came up for you? For me, it was how to create things that people care about, right? Uh, so it's the book, it's the podcast, it's the mastermind, you know, I, Back in the day when I was a teacher, I said I was an artist and my classroom was the canvas, you know, wow. and and that I think is still true today. It's just, you know, it's it's evolved. And and I always saw myself as an artist making things. And how do you make art and stuff that people will care about? And I heard something the other day that was just so inspirational to me. I really wanted to bring it, you know, to, to your audience. I, I haven't shared this anywhere. And a lot of times when we approach a new project and a new creative endeavor, we might consider how do we make this thing interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And it's my friend, Megan Gardner, who taught me this idea. She said, actually, just think about how you can be interested in others, right? And I figured out, oh, that's why a lot of what I do works because I will spend time uh, connecting with a podcast listener and for sure those mastermind members you just sit, hold space, but be interested in their lives. And by doing that, it gives me a real clear sense of uh, what would be help, what they'd find helpful or valuable and meaningful. And then I, then I go create that. But it's because I'm so interested in those I serve that the things I make, people are interested about because I was interested in them first. That's so hugely insightful, that, that whole concept of creativity and it takes the the selfishness out of creativity which is ultimately something we do for ourselves but if you mm. do it with the person that you're making it for in mind i think that's when things just really start to connect you know it's, yeah. it's like who is this actually for you know we have this classic we're always asking what's it for and who's it for and i think the whole education system sometimes needs to take a step back and reflect on those questions you know it's uh it's certainly very different, the needs of our education system to maybe 30 years ago and, and what we're trying to achieve with, with students and their outcomes. That's so powerful. And it's just, a, it's just a sign to me of, you know, I knew this anyway, but you bring that generosity with you wherever you go. Thank you. And I think that's why you, you resonate. You know, I think that's the secret to it. Um, and I'm interested with this concept because, you know, I always end up coming back to kindness. Mm. And I was going to ask you about how much kindness you mentioned trying to make 
classrooms more equitable for all races, but how does kindness play into your role as a teacher? Hmm. Well, you know that quote, right? I mean, at this point, it almost sounds cliche, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And uh, again, that worked in the classroom. It worked as a school leader. It works in running a business. And uh, I would just be radically curious about those I serve, whether it's a a 10-year-old little kid or, you know, a a bigger kid, (laughs) you know, because I work with them now. And the kindness piece, I think it's it's back to that interested versus interesting, you know, thing. And uh, something that I wish more school leaders would take action on, I, I teach this idea I got from a book called The Dream Manager by Matthew Cowley. And the story there is basically, uh, if you knew the dreams, the longings and your people's hearts, right? And followed up on those, asked them how it's going, maybe even help them take action or create plans to execute those dreams, then anything would be possible within your organization. And -hmm. I think that's an act of kindness, right? Just being interested in where people are going and and what those dreams are in their heart. And so uh, we do that within our community. I challenge people to write 100 dreams across all these domains of their life and then I just have a system set up that I follow up from time to time. Hey, Kit, how's it going with this thing? You know, or sometimes I take action. So there was a guy, Mark, and uh, one of his dreams was to get back into running and do half marathons, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had diet, you know, to work on and that kind of thing. And then there was the fitness component. So uh, he, re- he referred a couple people, full transparency to our to our community. And I was very thankful for that. And so to um, show my thanks and to build on to his dream, I sent him a Garmin, you know, GPS watch, right? Track his runs, keep the data, inspire him, you know, that kind of thing. But so it's, just, it's small, right? Uh, and it could be a gift. It could be a simple question, just checking in. But it just it depends on where people are at. You know, the, the other dream that I remember taking action, I've, I've done this for, you know, many people, but I remember Jess, she just wanted to uh, mentor a novice principal, right? And okay, great. Guess who knows tons and tons of principals? Me, absolutely, this guy. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, yeah, I remember just putting out an email with a quick application, free coaching, free mentoring, you know, with a, a veteran principal. Um, the only stipulation is that you were either new to the role or within the first two years. And they had to tell like why they wanted mentoring and coaching, that kind of thing. And then I gave Jess all those survey results and she picked one of those people. Now, the cool thing and to connect dots, being interested, kindness, all the generosity, right? It's a winning, winning way to, to just run anything. That person that was mentored by Jess, her name is uh, Paya. A few years later, I think probably at this point, three or four years later, guess who's now in the mastermind? Paya, right? And, you know, maybe that would have happened eventually anyways, yeah. but it, I think it's just like, hey, that's a winning recipe. Treat people good. It's never going to go wrong. You know, absolutely. You speak my language completely. And I, I, I love what you're saying about, you know, helping people realize their dreams. That for me is what coaching is all about. That's why yeah. I that's why, absolutely. I can, you know, it's just like some people it's it's not even clear to them that that is a dream unless you stop and ask the question and you really dig deep and then you get to the the motivation behind that dream. Where did that come from? Yeah. And once you connect those two things, something shifts. Yeah. There's a powerful yeah. shift and it's magical. It's just yeah. you know, watching that transformation when people realize there's nothing stopping me here. There really isn't, you know, I can go and do whatever I want, but knowing that, someone else believes in them. Because as you were saying at the beginning mm. of our conversation, when you were first putting out your vision for what was going to happen here with this podcast and, and how if we create these better leaders, schools will get better, everyone around you is just going, well, that's not going to happen. You know, that's <laughs> that's a dream killer right there, isn't it? Yeah. Having someone who just says, yeah, well, good luck with that. Um, it's not going to help, you know. So Mm -hmm. true. So true. So how about for you? Have you been on the receiving end of acts of kindness that have impacted you? You know, something that I think about is just like when you even when you have a million and a half downloads as a podcast, you would think that you get like just 
streams of email, you know, that's overwhelming to deal with. That's actually not the case. (laughs) It's so, um, it's, it's really wild that, uh, unless I go almost on the offense and make connections happen, sometimes I don't even hear the transformation, right. And the value that people get that, you know, work with me, which is, which is wild. Um, but th- that's what I was going to say in terms of an act of kindness. Uh, shout out to Lizzie, who's uh, born in the U.S., but she's a principal in Nepal and uh, runs an international school over there, which is super cool. But sh- she'll send me super kind notes um, from time oh, to time. Wow. And uh, so what I do is I have a label in my Gmail called Jar of Awesome, you know, and actually I mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier, I think, in this show. He taught me this one, too. And essentially, if I just get a kind note, you know, uh, via email or whatever, I, I save it in that label, the jar of awesome. And when I need a little pick me up, I'll go there and just read some stuff that people have said. So that's sort of like the micro, you know, kindness that I experience, and then how it pays it forward throughout my life. So yeah, it's really very helpful. But the last thing that Lizzie shared, she mentioned some people in the space that, you know, that I know, and um, how I'm different than all those others. And I think the the general sense that just really resonated with my heart was that, you know, I used to basically, she said, I used to feel like I was crazy, until I connected with you and the other ruckus makers, right. And I, I think that's true, right, for folks that innovate that are pushing against the status quo, uh, that want to uh, color outside the lines from time to time, they may think, or people even make them think that they're crazy, right? Or like, no, that would never work. Or, but I've found this and, and have attracted this community where we say, yeah, that's possible. Now, how can we get there? And that's a special gift. Yeah, that's just amazing. That that kind of playing that game of, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, and you can then work together yeah. and make that happen. Right. But I love, I love the jar of awesome idea. I I think it's so um, important, not just that you, because it causes you to reflect on how often you don't, you know, you read a good book and you don't reach out to that person and go, my God, this really impacted me. This really touched my life. Thank you. Um, And that isn't something we are encouraged to necessarily save. I know um, my my uncle died over the summer and he was a a Mm. surgeon and he had a file that all the people whose lives had been saved over the years had written to oh, him wow. and he kept them you know all in one place and i think it's it is so important to do that to remind yourself on the days where you have to get up in the middle of the night or you know things aren't going so well just mm. because it's so true that you never can honestly say and i think this is so true for teachers and coaches that you don't actually know always the impact that your words are having you know you're putting all this stuff out there and it might just be that one moment that lands with that one student like you were saying about mr brogan saying to you oh if i had my time again i'd be a teacher and that landed with you and it took you on a whole new trajectory you know you just never know absolutely and you know i've 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 heard other people tell stories of uh, how a teacher has like transformed their life and that kind of thing. And then even that they've reached out to that teacher later in life and the teacher more often than not does not even remember that incident. Right. Because it's just a day to day of acting out of generosity and kindness and that kind of stuff. But you can change a kid's life in a moment with, you know, words dipped in honey or with anger and frustration and all this kind of stuff. Words really matter, but yeah, it just, you almost take it for granted when you really have an awesome teacher or coach like that. Absolutely. And I love, love, loved your story about, you know, you've got a track record of just kind of following your heart, going towards what seems more fun or that (laughs) sounds interesting, you know, where your curiosity takes you and how you were all set to be a maths major until you walked into a poetry class. So yeah. tell me, tell me for my audience, for the benefit of my audience, that's <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah, so it's true. I mean, I always wanted to be a teacher because of Mr. Brogan's influence. And I was, I was pretty good in, in math in high school, right? I mean, we, I even took calculus, A, B, like A's, straight A's, did well. Wow. Then I get to the university and math 
is extremely difficult. It's a whole new language. They weren't teaching the math they taught me in high school. So I was I was struggling. I think I got my first D in math as a freshman, right, in uni. Wow. So I was like, whoa. Um, but there was another wrinkle. So not only was it hard, I can do hard, I could figure that out. But I also saw all the guys before nerdy was cool, right? So in the flannel, the plaid shirts, dark rim glasses, pocket protectors. It was just nerdy to be nerdy back then, not nerdy to be, you know, it wasn't cool. And I noticed something about all these guys. They all dressed the same. They all had a beard. No, nothing wrong with beards. You know, I have a beard. I love beards. Okay. But I noticed that none of them had dates, not a one. None of them had girls around them. I said, okay, this is a major problem. So juxtapose that with I'm taking my first uh, English course because there's prereqs you know for uh yeah, graduating yeah. that kind of thing and i've always loved poetry my teacher uh is blind he has every poem we do in the course memorized and through life experience right and just passion he brings these poems to life it's tremendous to see this guy right yeah. teach a class nothing in front of him. It's all in his heart. It's all in his mind. It's like, wow, this resonates with his bones. And so part of his style of class is that uh, students had to give poetry readings, right? And I did one of uh, Poe's poems about the raven, and it struck a chord in him. And he highlighted some things that I did that uh, he really enjoyed. And then I looked out into that audience of my classmates, and I saw beautiful girls in 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 the, in the class and i'm like all right that versus math okay i'm doing poetry i'm doing english yeah i'm gonna oh. teach english for sure oh. that's just amazing and what i loved about it was it was a reading of the raven and raven yeah. is a big symbol for the akimbo community so it kind of it all comes full circle as well full circle isn't that amazing and, and the thing i loved about english too is that the answer isn't necessarily predetermined right and so yeah. if you can back up your argument, right, with evidence and that kind of thing. I really, I really like that it seemed a lot, had a lot more potential, potentially than at least the math that I understood, right? Math can have different answers, that kind of stuff, but uh, not for, I'm not clever enough to figure that kind of math out. So poetry, English, uh, and literature certainly worked out for me. Probably more <laughs> scope for what we traditionally think is creativity. Cause I mean, creativity has expanded, yeah. you know, it has to expand to include being creative in a maths field and being able For to sure. innovate and push the boundaries. But but I think the whole education process is understanding this concept that there isn't just one right answer and that mm. what we've been using as a metric for this is the test and you either passed it or you failed it, you got all the right answers or you didn't, is not really doing a service to all the people going through it at the moment. Right, right. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So... How much, I mean, you tell such great stories. I'm just wondering how much you use that storytelling in in that process of teaching. I try to think about it uh, when I'm at my best. And, you know, Kimbo offers that story skills uh, workshop, which is mm. tremendous. You know, that really helped me out too. So uh, it, it certainly influences. And I mean, listen, if you're going to go out there and be a speaker or create a podcast, create content, like all the research will tell you, like, stop, like you can use logic, you can use data to illustrate some points, but that doesn't really resonate. You know, you, you got to talk to people's hearts, honestly. And, and as humans, like just stories is exactly how we've learned since the dawn of time. If I, if I tell you right now, right, let me tell you a story. You're going to, you're going to lean in a little bit. That's just how it works. Yeah. And so I've just realized, you know, if I can tell better stories, I could have better impact. And that's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us beautifully on to the final bit of our, my, my podcast is always about music because yeah. I feel like most songs tell a story. It's how we connect. And it's such a universal language for telling stories. You know, mm -hmm. even if you don't understand the language that the song is sung in, you can pick up on the rhythm and the beat and just that yeah. musicality that, that connects us all. Right, right, right. Yeah. How how important is music in your life? I've always so I I grew up playing the alto saxophone and then learned uh, bass and guitar. I am constantly listening to music. 
uh, I even, you know, I'm, I'm frequently singing too. So sometimes I sing in a serious way. Sometimes wow. I pretend that I could sing opera and sing in an opera voice, but you know, not very well. <laughs> it's sometimes I just make up just ridiculous songs. Like teach me a little bit of a language, for example, Spanish and, uh, I'll create songs with the little bit of Spanish that I know that to a Spanish speaker, right? Sound ridiculous. And I remember, uh, so unfortunately teachers don't make a great wage, right? They don't make a great salary. And so as a younger uh, classroom teacher, I held a second job all the time. And usually that was pizza. I'm from Chicago. Listen, like pizza is my love language. Yeah. I could eat it for every meal, every day. It would, I would die quickly, right? And I'd be much much larger than I am right now, but I would, I would be very happy too. Especially Chicago pizzas, short. Aren't, aren't Chicago pizzas the deep pan? <laughs> they're, they're, they're the, right, the inventors yeah. of deep pan pizzas. So yeah. Deep so dish. Healthy. Yeah. And you know, my, my favorite pizza would be like sausage, mushroom, and onion. And if you get sausage on the Chicago deep dish pizza, it's not like crumbled on the top, you know, it's a layer, right? It's just a heart attack waiting. It's, you're, you're investing in your future heart attack with every slice that you enjoy because it's an ocean of cheese and tomato sauce and literally like a half inch, inch thick layer. Like it's, it's really bad for you, but so good. So anyways, you are absolutely right. And uh, so it makes sense that I would, I would have a job in a pizza place. And so I just remember um, being, you know, on the line cooking pizzas singing wild songs in Spanish. And the, uh, the person who washed the dishes was from Mexico and a native Spanish speaker. And she just would tell me how it was crazy all the time. Right. <laughs> and honestly, the boss, because this, 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 uh, story I'm telling here was in Atlanta, Georgia, in a place called the mellow mushroom, and they had an open kitchen. Right. So it wasn't like I was in the back cooking, I was basically in the middle performing to my audience and the boss would be like, you got to shut up. Like people are trying to have dinner. Nobody wants to hear you singing. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm just having a good time making pizza. What's the problem here? So every, pretty much everybody laughed except my boss, you know? <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. So yeah. when it comes to choosing one song that takes you, to, is it, is it a song that you wrote or uh, is, is there a piece of music that you, you just, that just resonates yeah. with you? There, there's so many songs I could unpack, but the one that I wanted to bring to your, your audience in this podcast was, it's one uh, by Oliver Tuku M. Tukudzi, and he, he's, he's Zimbabwean too. Mm. Um, and so I was introduced to his music through my wife, and he plays guitar in a way that I've just never heard before. And it's like, if my heart had a guitar, that's what it would sound like. Like, it is so good. And the, the song I wanted to introduce your audience to and you is called Wasakara, okay, Wasakara, which basically means like, you know, um, you've got experience, like you've, you're a bit worn in, right? Because we're getting older. And uh, the refrain in the chorus is uh, Kuchembera, Chico Kuchembera. And uh, essentially, as we age, it's like younger people sort of like poking fun at you you know, cause you're getting older yeah, and then yeah. you're, re you're replying, Oh, what is getting old? Like, you know, this is just the thing of experience and like, you're just having fun, you know, being kind of made fun of for getting older, if that makes sense. It so, does. It sounds like, it sounds like the kind of thing that, yeah, your teenagers are saying to you, Oh my God, you're so, yeah, you just don't yep. understand. You just don't get yeah. it. You're there going, I think I do actually. <laughs> yeah. Essentially that's basically it. And so it, has a really fun spirit to the song it, you know you want to dance to it and so basically for every birthday you know we're, we're playing that you know wow. and then for my my uh family now that are uh zimbabwean and from the shauna you know shauna clan i love telling them chico kuchembera right like what is getting old so <laughs> so shauna is the language yeah shauna yeah. is the language right wow. yeah Wow. And oh, I take I'm tutoring twice a week to try to, uh, I want to be fluent in it so I can, um, so I can talk with my family, you know, yeah. in Zimbabwe. Yeah. And so I could talk about people in the airport too, and that they don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can understand them when they're talking about you. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you break out into Shauna and they're going, oh, that was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Well, you know, what I love about this playlist is is just how diverse it is and how mm. global the music selection is. And that is a, a really welcome addition. It's certainly going to be a new experience for me to hear to hear yeah. this guitar. And uh, yeah, just amazing. So thank you. And nice so moving on to finally, just just the wisdom that you wanted to bring to share with my audience, but that's really kept you honest that you've used and relied on in your own life yeah i never realized that this was one of my operating principles but a good friend of mine mitch weathers he runs a company called organized binder out of california um but you know when you have great friends what a blessing for your life and they can reflect back to you stuff you don't even realize you're doing that has a big impact and he's like dude your quote is so good i'm like mitch what are you talking about He's like, when you tell people that you'll never you'll never go wrong treating people right, like that is something to be known for. Oh, and I didn't even realize that that was something I said a lot until he reflected it back. And so now I'm like owning that as a, a Danny Bauer quote. So you'll never go wrong treating people right. I love that quote. Yeah. So that's going to be the mm -hmm. title of your episode. And I think that is so Brilliant. fitting. And and yeah, how amazing that you didn't even realize that was your quote, you know, it had to be mirrored back to you. It's just incredible. Yeah. And yet you've lived by it. You know, I can mm -hmm. tell that from just the way you operate, that Thank that's you. something you do. I think there's that, that truth in that how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. And I remember when you turned up as a student in the old MBA, it was right out of the gate. I remember saying to my co-coach, Connor. Connor. This is a guy to watch, you know, look, he's already yeah. gathering people. He's already talking to people. He's already chatting before we'd even like hosted that first, first meeting. So yeah, you'll never do wrong by treating people, treating right. people right. Yeah. Just beautiful, mm. beautiful. And I was also interested in your wisdom, given you have so much experience with school leaders and I mean, obviously this is applying to the U S but what are the things that we could really start to do within the education system to, to just change the narrative, to make it more all-encompassing so that we are digging into pupils and students' strengths as opposed to trying to mark them against each other or maybe even leaving students with a sense of the things they're not good at. Do you have, yeah, sure. do you have anything to share on that? That's a bit of what I, I'm trying to do, right? And it, it starts with changing the landscape of how school leaders experience professional development and then having conversations that answer the questions you just posed. One resource I could offer you and the, the listener is that uh, Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game, right? Mm -hmm. And I think once schools realize that they're playing an infinite versus a finite game, will have a much uh, more robust and more meaningful education system. And so to me, like the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest takeaways from that book is that you don't have to lose for me to win. And often, like you said, students are uh, positioned against each other in terms of marks and where they, mm -hmm. where they uh, fall in terms of uh, yeah, student achievement. But the same thing happens with schools, right? You have two schools, relatively close and distance and instead of sharing and collaborating right and making it better for all kids you know they they hoard resources and have a scarcity mindset and think like there can't be two successful schools i have to be the better school you have to be the worst school wow. and it's just totally stupid you know mm -hmm. so part of that is just realizing what game you're playing and then realizing you have a choice as a leader too uh, and how you want, how you want to show up, right. And that kind of culture that you're creating. So that to me is part of the ticket. And then also realize that the results you get are perfectly designed based on the system you're implementing, you know? So if you want more collaboration, then stop rewarding so much of the competition, mm. you know, aspects within school and give, you know, awards and that kind of thing for, for an entire class of students or an entire group of teachers that came together and did something remarkable, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's so insightful. It's, it's that whole idea of kind of what you're saying is it's, it's, if we pitch ourselves against each other, it, it is a finite game by definition, but also right. that you're not really engendering that sense of school just being 
the beginning of a process of lifelong learning that, you know, it's not somewhere you come to say, right, I've done that now. I finished it. it, That's the end of it. That's all I need to learn. And that you Mm -hmm. have encompassed that all of your life. It's like, what's next? I'm curious. Where's my curiosity taking me? And, and what can I take from what I've learned over here and apply it in this place over here makes such a difference. Yeah. Just amazing. And it was interesting because I was watching um, just before I came on to, to, to talk to you, you know, my favorite sort of um, influencer within the education field was definitely Sir Ken Robinson, who right. sadly has now died. But, you know, his TED talk on schools kill creativity, which has now had, I think, 70 million views. Yeah. And his whole philosophy that creativity should be treated as importantly as literacy you know within schools and if we can get to that stage and i think what you do danny is you bring all of that creative spirit to everything you're doing so all i can do is say i wish you so much strength in in building this thing out in having that influence that you're having and it's such a positive influence on on school leadership and and i i hope this new book is the key to scaling that. And as you say, building those platforms of collaboration as opposed to competition, which I'm sure is, yeah. is gonna go a long way to making those changes that, that yeah. improve things. Well, thank you uh, for those kind words, Kat. And I, I do think the book is probably a piece of the, piece of the puzzle. And um, one other lesson for you and the listener is that if you are consistent showing up and being of service and creating things of value, things do take care of themselves. And the story there is, uh, so Corwin pitched me to do the book on how I serve school leaders. Well, what I didn't know is that my senior editor actually floated a copy of that book to a very important group within at least the states, which is the AASA, the School Superintendents Association. So the, the people who run the districts, right? And it's their job to figure out how to empower and develop their principals and everybody else, right? They're, they're leading the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing. And uh, anyways, I never would have found out if, if it didn't go well, but she gave a copy to the AASA they, and somebody important there read it and said, this is so good. We want to co-publish it. And I, I think that's relevant to our conversation because I, I can't see how that won't open doors, you know, and, yeah. and uh, help us, you know, love on and serve more school leaders because the AASA is saying like, this is something we should be looking at. And so I'm, I'm pumped. It'll be, it'll be exciting to see what happens. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, that is such amazing news. And it's so true that, you know, if you hadn't taken the time to overcome that imposter, write the book, get it out there, even, even if it's, you know, something that you think, okay, there's always ways it can be improved, but it's enough. It's already enough. And it's already already having an impact. It's just brilliant. And I really hope that, you know, for my audience, a lot of whom are in the UK, anyone who's in the education field will take a look that all the links are in the show note to better leaders, better schools. The podcast is there as a resource. Both of your books are so powerful. This is a conversation that definitely needs to happen across the globe for education Mm. systems everywhere. Cause I think it's fair to say that, you know, the U S has more spend per capita on, on students than any other country. And yet Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, the best system in the world you know it's certainly not an education system that you'd hold up and go this is the shiny example of how we should be doing things so it's not just a lack of resource it really is about people like you breaking the molds and saying there's got to be a better way and and this Mm -hmm. is how we innovate in Mm -hmm. a changing world Mm. yeah thank you for those reflections it's very kind and it is if your audience wants to check out the book, you know, and especially in their field of education, uh, not only is it a great sort of tool to use to evaluate experiences, you know, you'll, you'll uh, invest in for yourself. But I promise if you take the ABCs, which is authenticity, belonging and challenge, and integrate that into what you offer your staff or what the classroom teachers create for their students, you'll have better results, I guarantee it, because that's why the mastermind works. But 
you know, it'll it'll level up your school or classroom experience too. Yeah, I, I can wholeheartedly believe it. And I think what you've done is you've taken all of those lessons from those 500 episodes of the podcast that you've been putting out there religiously and bundled them all up into this one piece of real groundbreaking intelligence. Yeah, just amazing. Yeah, it's an exciting space to be in right now. Absolutely. And I am so grateful to you, Danny, for bringing all of that wisdom to this podcast. I know there's a lot of people out there who are listening to this who will just be getting inspired, who are either in that education space or thinking about joining as a teacher and maybe moving up into leadership and understanding that, you know, all of the concepts in leadership are so relevant in, in all the field, all the aspects of our lives. It's, it's so powerful. So thanks for joining me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Brilliant. Um, and I look forward to hearing all about how successful the book is as it, as it, as it rolls out. Congratulations. Sounds good. Thank you, Kat. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Danny is clearly not only an inspirational leader, but also still a teacher at heart. And it's an opportunity for me to give a shout out to any teachers who are listening, as I think it's one of the most undervalued, but important professions in our society. And the impact you're having isn't always that obvious at the time, but good teachers really do make a difference to people in building better futures. And before I leave you, I have a very exciting announcement to make. I've been working with a group of professionals from a small business community that I'm part of called The Right Company. And together we have written a book. It's so on brand as it's a real collaboration. It's called Enough, Unlock Your Life of Abundance Starting Right Where You Are. And it's true to say that it's a real collaborative, collective effort where you'll get not just one perspective, but 15 different perspectives on doing just that. We were lucky enough to have Bernadette Jiwa. You might know her from the over 10 amazing books that she's written on marketing and storytelling. And she was very kind enough to read the book for us and give us this review. Here's what she said. Wherever you are on your journey to building the life you want, open this book on any page and be inspired to keep going or to begin again. Ultimately, it's really about following your dreams and finding that fulfillment that I think we're all looking for. It's been uh, an absolute joy to work with these guys. And the most exciting news is that next week's podcast features all of them sharing a little bit about their stories and gives you a little taste of what you can expect from the book. You can find out more about it at enoughthebook.co and there will, of course, be links to that in the show notes. Have a great week and thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.